their mouth, mouth don't throw punches. Punches throw punches. The fight happens in the ring. Are you ready, champ? Like, like I cannot not be ready, right? Like, I ain't been doing my job for eight to ten weeks, right? Okay, okay. Like, I got here overnight, right? What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 158 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? A uh, plethora of action this weekend. Yes, indeed. Um, we got a uh, a pay-per-view card full of uh, a lot of talent that nobody asked to be on pay-per-view. Yeah. Everybody's got an opinion about that. Yeah. And I don't think it's doing the justice to the fight that it deserves. No, but, it certainly is not. It's taken away from it completely. Well, then I guess it's 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 on us then. Uh, you of, know, course, of course it is. To bring the spotlight back to the talents of uh, one Oscar Valdez. I'll take it. I'll take that burden. Yeah. Well, will you take the burden of Porter versus Berto? Um, no. Maybe at seventy five percent off ticket price. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was on pay per view? Oh my god! Oh, Jermel Charlo defends his WBC junior middleweight title. Ricky Burns versus Julius and Dongo in action. And of course, Ben, we didn't touch on it last week because we had to save it uh, for its own little spotlight edition. But the drama um, and sort of the visceral language that is surrounding the rematch of Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev. It's getting a little testy, isn't it? It is, but I like it. Ah, hey, they got to do something to help sell that son of a bitch, man. Yeah, I mean, boxing's villains don't always have to have, you know, $500 million in the bank and beat up women. Yeah, well, un- unbeknownst to Andre Ward, uh, he's not a superstar and nobody really gives a shit about him. So his fights do not drum up any kind of uh, public fervor whatsoever. Then he's an all-time great. I okay? know. I know. Okay. Okay, I've been then. told. I've been told. Yes. Well, yeah, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for listening to episode 158 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Again, I'm Kenny Keith, joined by Vince Cummings. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. And be sure to drop by the boxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and of course, Spreaker, and subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Again, thanks for joining us. Here we go, Vin. Let's take them on a wild ride. <laughs> Let's kick it off from the StubHub Center, the return to the mecca of West Coast boxing. Um, Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Mariaga, joined by um, another duo of WBO champions. Um, Valdez versus Mariaga. Look, this fight, Vim, um, this is a really good fight. I think that this is the proper fight as mm-hmm. top rank has, has, has made a reputation over the years of being able to bring along their young superstars. It's a great fight. Great test for Oscar Valdez. All that aside, before we get to the fights, because I do want to focus on these fights a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. They, d- they deserve a little bit. Let me ask you one question. Fifty four ninety nine. Fuck you. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, fuck you, dude. I'm, I'm sorry. These are these are. Yeah, but Bob's not going to make any money. Then he's going to break even. <laughs> oh, I, 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 and I'm supposed to fucking feel sorry for Bob. You're supposed to make him break even. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. And I've been pumping money into Bob's fucking pockets for 20 <laughs> fucking years. So you ain't going to you get no sympathy here, son. Vin has been enabling you for way too long, Bob. <laughs> I will admit I have been part of the problem that that has 
that has put boxing where it is in its state today, which is this shit we get here, where we got to pay $55 to watch guys that aren't even established professionals yet. No. I mean, everybody, let, 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 let's be honest here. You know, me and you both are on the train of Oscar Valdez is skyrocketing to superstardom. It's only a matter of time. But I, I'm not here. I'm, I, I'm not paying for that shit. Not now, not yet. If, if he's going to fight, you know, another world-class fighter in a championship uni- unification fight a couple years down the road, and you're telling me it's $55? Absolutely. But this kid is not even an established fucking professional. This is his first really, really true, true test of a, a top 5 to 10 talent in the division. That is tough as hell. And somebody that's actually going to throw at him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like this guy's not going to be put in place to make Oscar Valdez look good. And that's nothing against Oscar Valdez's skill set, because I'm with you, man. I mean, we're talking about one of the most explosive fighters on the scene right now. A guy that embodies everything that I know that you and I talk about all the time that this sport is missing. And a lot of other people out there in the boxing universe are always talking about it as well. He has that dare-to-be-great mentality. This guy is going to be in some great fights. Um, you know, he, he has been one of the top prospects in boxing that actually has shown a level of development, has shown a dedication to the sport that's respectable. This guy has a nice following within the diehard community because he is the kind of fighter that we wish all of our favorite fighters behaved like outside of the ring. Right, and he's got the, the expectation level is through the roof with him now. So put it on... HBO Latino. I mean, you got a bunch. You have a, a, a you have three Mexican world champions. Okay, three Mexican world champions. Three mm-hmm. different weight classes. Mm-hmm. Three really exciting fighters to watch. You and I have been highly critical of Gilberto Ramirez. Yeah. Okay. He has had inconsistent performances yeah. on his rise. One good fight followed by two bad fights followed by a mediocre fight, then maybe a decent fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 in that decent fight, he has the fight of his life. Yeah. And he looks fantastic against Arthur Abraham. Mm-hmm. Well deserved, well earned. I mean, even a fading Arthur Abraham winning a belt from him, at least you're winning a belt from a guy that's going to at least have his name on a Hall of Fame ballot. Right, right. You, <laughs> you got it. You you took the belt from a legitimate champion. Yes, albeit an aging one, but still, yeah, you're exactly right, Vin. Like, so this card to me is perfect for HBO Boxing After Dark. At the StubHub Center, you're probably going to get an action-packed fight for however long it lasts with Valdez and Mariaga. Right. We'll get to learn a lot of things about Mariaga. Was Mariago the first link in in, in in exposing Nicholas Walters for being maybe less than he was built up to be? Yeah, he, he very well. I mean, he, that that fight alone would lead you to believe that this is not going to be an easy fight for Valdez. You know, in my opinion, for Mariaga to stand any type of chance in this fight, and I think it's going to be with any of you know, you got to take this a, a, with any of these young champions, much like two of them on this card he's going to have to do work to the body and drag this kid late and, and try to figure out if he's got the, the mental fortitude to be in a tough, long fight. But other than that, I mean, Ken, look, Oscar Valdez, talent-wise, he's, he's, a, he's quicker on his feet. I don't know if he hits harder. I think that's still – Mariaga's a big puncher and a tough guy, but he, he unloads combinations way better. I think in the end, Mariaga's footwork is too fucking slow for a guy that is as quick and powerful as Valdez. 
I know a lot of people think it's going to be a test, and I think it will be a test for some period of time. But I think Valdez is going to carve him up about halfway through this fight. And, you know, lat- latter stages, championship rounds, I think Mariaga says no mas. But, 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 Vin, that's the difference. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. That's the difference between good and great. If he goes out against Mariaga and looks eh, then there's going to be questions from guys that have really been following his career, like you and I have been from the beginning. Right. You know what I mean? That are going to have these questions that we need answered. Much in the same way when, when Errol Spence was going through his run of bums yeah. on his way up, and he was not tested literally all the way up until the point that he fought Chris Algieri. He had fought nondescript, uh, just guys that uh, probably below sea level fighters, probably guys that aren't even considered club fighters, just guys within the weight class that they could pay more money to than these, uh, you know. Hey, we'll give you twenty five thousand instead of five thousand dollars. Yeah, we had questions about Errol Spence's ability to adapt, or was he just beating up guys that that were completely outmatched? Mm-hmm. But what it did for us as boxing fans was help us understand Errol Spence better because we focused in on him harder. Right, right, right. He did what he was supposed to do. He, I think, Errol Spence did against Chris Algieri. I think he surprised a lot of people by blasting him out of there like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, we thought he was, uh, you know, his performance against Provodnikov, the courage he showed. Right. The six knockdowns against Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao couldn't get him out of the ring. Right. You know what I mean? For Errol Spence to come in there and blast him out, well, guess what? He did what he was supposed to do. So if Valdez is good, he'll beat Mariaga in uh, a close decision. Mm-hmm. If Valdez is as great as I know I think he's going to be, then he gets rid of Miguel Mariaga six or seven rounds emphatically and makes a statement. Yeah, that's what I that's what I see coming out of this night is Oscar Valdez makes his final step and becomes a full on full grown man as a professional boxer, and this is the type of fight he needs to make that statement. And I think he makes it emphatically. I think he either a stoppage or a knockout, one or the other, multiple knockdowns. I think late in this fight. He's just too much, man. He's too fucking much. He is in the prime, physical prime of his life. Uh, I just don't. And the way we know that he handles camps and the way he prepares for fights, I'm sorry. There's just no way he's coming out, especially knowing that fans got to pay. Maybe, you know, that gives these guys a little extra juice to. Uh, we got people paying for this. We need to perform uh, at an even higher level. I, I, I think he makes his statement on Saturday night, his final statement. And, yes, I'm, I'm here now, and I am top three in this division, and that cannot be argued. Let me ask you this, Vince. What do you think about the detractors? I guess people that have, you know, whoever has doubts about Oscar Valdez, you know, they tend to focus on Valdez's propensity to throw nothing but fastballs. He's like, he's like Mariano Rivera mm-hmm. or – or uh, Zach Britton in there. Right. Just one pitch. Just throwing fastballs. 96-97, the thing is going to dance and move and make you dizzy. Right. It's up to you to try to hit it. <clears throat> I think that that's very much what Valdez does in the ring. And a lot of people aren't used to somebody who throws, like Lenares throws those buttery, soupy combinations that have snapping power at the end. Right. Valdez will throw the whole fucking kitchen sink at you. Yeah. I mean, he can come from any angle. So what do you say about that? Do you think that that's something that people will expose out of him? Or do you think that he is just so supremely gifted with his footwork and his ability to throw natural combinations that he's more like Lomachenko? No, nah, I don't. I, I'll tell you what. I'm not ready to put him on a Lomachenko level. Um, do I think there's a possibility they could get there? 
yeah, I, I don't know if he has quite the skill set. I, what I expect is a, is a career from Oscar Valdez that just a guy that he comes to fight every fight. He's an entertaining fighter from from bell to bell, and just a guy that I, just you can appreciate it because he fucking takes the sport seriously, and that. To me, that is that's fucking nine tenths of the battle. He's ahead of ninety percent of the fighters in the sport just because of the way he approaches it. And to me, that approach and the way he handles his business will make him great no matter what. Will he be an all time great like I think Lomachenko has the possibility of being becoming a fighter that transcends and, and is the fighter of an era? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far. I think he'll be in some fights that will that will be some of the best fights we see in the next five years. When he, get, when he gets in with the best in the division, when he gets a step above Mariaga, come on, man. There's there's some fucking great fights out there for him. You know what? I I tend to agree with you a little bit on the heights of, say, a Lomachenko as far as, like, getting his skill set to that, like, master Jedi level. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think he's good enough to be a Jedi Knight. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. He, but I also think that Oscar Valdez, and the only thing that will keep him from this, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost positive of this, is his inability to get people to step into the ring with him, to be able to create the kind of legendary knights that I think Oscar Valdez's mindset and his skill set and his aggressive nature would allow him. I would compare. I think Oscar Valdez, if he was able to get good matchups for his prime, and mm-hmm. that's not going to happen because that's the era that we live in. I'm being very optimistic here. Right. He reminds me more of an Israel Vasquez, yeah. a guy that may not have been as skilled as Juan Manuel Marquez, but he had this grit, determination. He had a dance partner that helped him achieve greatness in the sport i'd love i'd love to see that be jojo diaz Ken. well and i'm saying jojo diaz is cut from the same kind of cloth you know what i mean so so maybe vasquez versus rafa marquez maybe that is valdez versus jojo diaz light right or or i'm saying that valdez and jojo diaz would be uh vasquez marquez light right 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 that's what i'm saying but i think that that's the kind of potential this guy has Nobody considers rafa marquez or israel vasquez to be the two greatest mexican fighters of all time no no, they don't. But they're in folklore, much in the they're a little bit more skilled versions of say a Gotti Ward. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think that this guy could be in. He could be that if he was in a different generation. No, that's that's what I was trying to say. I I, I think that's this guy's career leads to us as boxing fans enjoying ourselves in, on many fucking Saturday nights when this kid is in the ring. That's what makes it so optimistic, isn't it? Yes. It's positive vibes about the kid because you. How many fighters in boxing have that? Like when we, there's so many. I mean, there is 95% of the fighters we talk about in the sport. My initial thought that comes to my head, and I'm a cynical motherfucker when it comes to boxing. I know I am. But my initial thought is, Jesus, fuck, what the fuck has this guy been doing? Like, it's never a, it's never a, I can't wait to see that. I, this guy brings that out of me. There's not many that do that. Oh, Awesome. Chavez running around in a fucking sauna in a trash bag. That gets me hyped for a fight. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Yeah, look, Oscar Valdez has a has a huge future in the sport. I think this is a great matchup. We'll see how far Mariaga takes him. Maybe he pushes him into deep waters. You're, I wouldn't be surprised. But you're calling for a late stoppage? Yes, late stoppage. I think he's going to catch Mariaga in the fifth round, and I think he sends the statement that we uh, – 
um, have all sort of forecasted for him. Yeah, I, look, I could see. I just don't see any way Mariaga has enough skills to beat Valdez on points. Absolutely not. He'd have, <laughs> he'd have to stop him, and yeah. I don't see that. No, but you know, we'll find out. You know, I mean, look what we found out about you know guys like like Luke Campbell and Amir Mom. You know, two prospects we were high on at one time. That well, when the going got tough and the guy got physical and tried to bully him a little bit, they were like. Eh, you know what I'm not? But let me ask you this. There's a you can't tell me that there isn't a difference between when we watched Amir Mom and Luke Campbell and Oscar Valdez. And it's I mean, you could just no. go back to our prospect list yeah. and it'll tell you that we thought way higher of Valdez than we did of those two. Right. We're not I mean, I'm not trying to fucking throw throw dirt on our grave right now, then. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not trying to rile up fucking Brian King. <laughs> Oh, it, it don't take much. You know, I mean, you know, right now he's probably doing something that should not be videotaped, or if it is, it's NC-17 <laughs> over in Scotland, you know, over that conversation right there. No, look, my point is this, is I, I don't think Oscar Valdez is the kind of guy that if he gets pushed around a little bit, he's going to wilt. No. And, and that's my comparison with the mom and Campbell, is that these were two guys that are highly skilled. Right. right? Great skill sets. And they actually have physical advantages over everybody in the weight class that they hope to achieve something in. Mm-hmm. Oscar Valdez is um, you know, a guy that takes it to the next level. So uh, Valdez by well, stoppage? Stoppage. All right, let's get to the co-feature. WBO super middleweight title on the line. All right. We think the WBO featherweight champion Oscar Valdez does the deal, laments himself as a top three featherweight in the world. Um, Gilberto Ramirez, El Zerto, the southpaw. Max Bursick, a tough fighter, um, a guy that is, you know, he's competitive with every, everybody he fights, but let's be honest, he's going in the ring with a, a, a classic Mexican boxer who happens to be six foot three. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest Mexican on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Ruiz might have something to say about that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, did you see what I ate last night? <laughs> um, look, Gilberto Ramirez is a guy that you and I have been very topsy turvy on because you look at him. Not only is he a, a good looking man, okay? I mean, this guy chiseled. He, he is. He, dude, I was watching an interview with him the other day with uh, what's her name from Top Rank TV. Christina Poncher. Yeah, with Christina Poncher. And I was like, who is prettier? <laughs> <laughs> and Gilberto wouldn't stop smiling. He just had that chiseled chin, and he's like next to her, like, orderly. <laughs> you know? Dude, that's fucking hilarious. Oh, it was awesome. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Look, look, Gilberto's the package. I mean, this guy could be packaged well into something great. Well, as soon as he che- achieves his moment, winning the WBO 168 against Arthur Abraham, he, he hurts his hand. Yeah. And it has been now, when this fight takes place, it will be over one year since he won that belt. And uh, talk about just uh, the air being sucked out of the room with this guy's career right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was really – he's he's be, became a frustrating fighter for me before this break. I, I don't – I think he – like you said, he holds a physical advantage against every fighter in this division. Except for Callum Smith, if that fight ever happens. Oh, that's an eye-to-eye fight. Yeah, th- those would be the only two guys that would look eye-to-eye. I, I don't know what to think of this fight. I mean, look, Max Bursick is a tough guy, but this is all this is is a fight for Gilberto Ramirez to get back in the win column, which is another reason why this fight to me, or this, this card to me, paying for it, is very fucking frustrating because this isn't a challenge. There's no question 
who's going to win this fight. Max Bursick is not going to beat Gilberto Ramirez. Yet this is the co-feature of a fucking card that I got to fork over $55 for. <laughs> Fuck you again. I'm not you know what I'm saying like I'm sorry. It's a formality in this fight. Am I going to watch it? Do I want to see Gilberto Ramirez back in the ring? Yeah, I do. I like him as a fighter. But come on, man. Come on. Fuck you. Well, well, it's the WBO showcase. This uh, is actually the second big fight it, I, weekend. In I a thought row. it used to be the Warren Warren Boxing Organization. Now it's the uh, what's the World World Bob Organization. Indeed, three WBO belts on the line here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think the fight's a formality too. So this is going to be if you're you know if you're going to buy the you know fifty five dollar pay per view and you don't know much about Gil- Gilberto Ramirez, you'll get to see a uh, you know. The best of him on display against an inferior fighter that you paid for. So be, be, be thinking about that when you're watching it, and be grateful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, top prospect, uh, Olympic silver medalist Shakur Stevenson. Um, this guy kind of shocked the world. There was these assumptions. He, you know, he had a selfie with Floyd. Oh, so that meant Uh-oh. that Shakur signing with Floyd. Nah, he ain't signing with Bob. Bob screws the black man. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. What does Shakur Stevenson do? He sacrifices big dollar bills, uh, big signing bonuses, and which is crazy considering who his management team is. Yeah. And decides that he wants to be brought along by a boxing promoter that has decades and decades and dec- almost a half a fucking century. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of, of, of bringing guys up. That's a smart signing. Shakur Stevenson could be the next great American young fighter. He could be Errol, Errol Spence's, you know, uh, co-feature if all things were perfect in the world with American boxing. Right, right. right? But a lot of these guys don't, you know, a lot of these American Olympians have been kind of viewed and perceived in the world scene, the world amateur scene, as not being as good as maybe their limited amateur careers may say they are. Shakur Stevenson has a lot of hype behind him, and I think that if it was not, if he was signed with the PBC, nobody would be talking about Shakur Stevenson right now because they don't promote their fighters. Hater. But Bob's got his young guys, Mick Conlon, Shakur Stevenson, out there to be promoted. Is it way too, this guy hasn't even stepped into his first professional fight yet, mm-hmm. but he's going to get a little bit of exposure. What say you on Shakur Stevenson? Do you think that he is the hype, or do you think he's the bust? Uh, you know, it's that's way too tough to say right now. I mean, the kid's got fucking talent. There's no doubt about it. The kid can box. Uh, you know, if if you asked me who I thought might be the better prospect moving forward between him and Conlon, I might say Conlon right now just because his, his style translates to the pros a little bit better than Shakur Stevenson. But that's not taking anything away from this kid. This kid is going to have to uh, – it's going to take some time. Give it three, four years. Let this kid – polish his professional skills up i don't think there's any doubt we see this kid fighting for a championship belt within five years and obviously bob has he's one of bob's hand-picked guys to take to the top i mean bob's made that clear with both him and conlon this is a a concerted effort and i think it's going to be a concerted effort to build both of them up right alongside each other until the perfect time for them to match up in a fucking huge unification fight in whatever division they're in at that time. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the jury's out for me, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's too hard to fucking say. 
I, Conlon didn't look good in his professional debut. Dude, just think about like the like the weird road that Felix Verdejo's career has taken. Mm-hmm. And the kind of money that Bob has lost signing, oh. signing that guy. Oh. You know what I mean? And like he has, I'm not going to say as far as like Ryan Leaf, but he's definitely in RG3 territory. Well, I heard, I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I hear the talk is now that they're, uh, they are desperately, desperately trying to get that kid out of fucking Puerto Rico. Yeah, I heard he's going to train in Vegas for his next fight. Yeah, well, they wanted him on the West Coast, and he would only go to Vegas. So what's that tell you right there? I mean, it, the best amateur or the best gyms in the world are not in Vegas right now. They're in California where you get the best sparring, and he kind of refused to go there for whatever reason. I still question that kid's dedication to this sport big time well and that's the <laughs> what a well, fucking waste of talent man you go from the top prospect in the world to guys that may not be as skilled as you man. okay or have no i'm not that, saying that skilled. guy had me fucking pulling my dick out when he fought look it's still early I, look i but I, I, dude i'm completely with you all right look oscar valdez and felix verdejo that's the difference between these two guys felix verdejo is the guy that you went to high school with who was the best best athlete in the school mm-hmm. who wound up getting addicted to oxycontin and and, and fucking OD. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 you got a guy in Oscar Valdez that just works harder than everybody and he's smart. Yeah. So you, you take intelligence, athletic ability and work ethic and you craft yourself a career. Felix Verdejo is about to fall victim to the fact that he doesn't seem to really give a shit about boxing. So he's going to end well, up too being worried about being a star. Well, and maybe some people aren't ready for maybe in, in, in five years, we say the same thing about Mick Conlon. Yeah. That maybe Bob made a mistake by showing him out on that St. Paddy's weekend before the triple G fight with the Conor McGregor stuff. Maybe his head gets too big. I do think there's a, there's a bit to be said for that. The way that he's started these two fighters careers out with this, the fanfare behind it. Let's not fucking hand pick guys to be, what they, what you expect them to be when they are not that, and there's no way of knowing. I don't know how many amateur fighters that were good fell to the wayside as professionals. It just kind of, that's one of the fucking, it's starting to irk me about boxing is this new kind of how promoters are just say, this is my guy, I envision this, and we're fucking, we're putting the hype train behind them. Instead of letting them be what they are, and, and yeah, I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm getting too fucking deep into it because I'm a fucking retard boxing fan. But that, it, it bothers me. Well, it's it's easier now now than ever with the divisions in the sport to be able to meander whoever you want that you think is marketable down a particular path. I mean, we're seeing this. With These ha- guys aren't Vasil Lomachenko. They're ninth fight. They can't be fighting for a belt. They are nowhere near that. No, no, no. These guys are more like Deontay Wilder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guys that are, are 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 very, very carefully guided down a particular path. I mean, dude, look, two of the belt holders, two of the perceived best heavyweights in the world, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, these two have fought arguably the worst resumes combined of any two heavyweight champions you in could, the history of the sport. They're, they're both prospects. You could combine their resumes together and make them – Deontay Joshua, and it still sucks. <laughs> Deontay <laughs> Joshua. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's just it. But here's the thing. As long as Shakur Stevenson doesn't have a glass jaw 
He doesn't have to be that good. No. <laughs> they will match him and maneuver him correctly to get them where they want him. Yeah, he'll be Kurt Angle. He'll be 20 years into the WWE still wearing that gold medal around his neck. <laughs> Kurt Angle. You know what I mean? Kurt Angle makes an appearance on the boxing ring. 1996 <laughs> Olympic gold medalist. It's like, what? It's 2016. Um, Look, we can go side to side on this. Uh-huh. I think the consensus on this episode of the tale of the tape is, is let's just see what the kid can do. Yeah. Can we just let him fucking get in the ring? <laughs> Jesse Magdaleno versus uh, a Dielson's uh, dos Santos. Look, Magdaleno brings it, but this is, I think this is a, a step down from Max Bursick for Gilberto Ramirez. Yeah, so this is another showcase fight in reason number fucking 538. While I'm not, why I'm not paying $55 for this fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, we're sitting here about to just like give Jermel Charlo shit for defending a title and a co-feature. Meanwhile, we got a, a, a title defense and a co-feature and a title defense. that's going to be the opening fight in a four fight telecast. And you had to pay for it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, let's change the dial to what the dummy graphic considers to be free boxing. <laughs> I guess I guess compared to a top-ranked pay-per-view, it is free, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, Sean Porter versus Andre Berto. A fight worthy of a 20,000-seat <laughs> arena, wouldn't you say? Oh, my God, did they get that fucking way wrong. And that's, that's in the long line of fights that they've gotten way wrong. They tried to solidify the Sean Porter versus Andre Berto card with an appearance by none other than King Kong. Luis Ortiz signs with Al Heyman, mm-hmm. right? We think it's, uh, you know, maybe he's using this Eddie Hearn strategy, just keep him away from Joshua for a little while. Yeah. Who knows? Either way, thumb injury. Now we're down to Porter versus Berto and Charlo, Jermel, versus Charles Hatley. Porter versus Berto, I'm going to tell you right now, everybody has their own opinion about mismatches and horrible fights and you know this fight's gonna suck this fight's gonna be great whatever i am in the category when i heard about the announcement of this fight i was like i don't give a fuck did you stop for a second what you were doing and like celebrate inside for just a brief second or did you just turn your head and fucking keep on going with your day no my penis sucked into my body (laughs) (laughs) that's what happened you went to any huh (laughs) oh dude I don't know, man. Like, a mismatch is a mismatch, right? Uh-huh. Everybody out there that has their favorite fighter, they will always be excited to watch their favorite fighter, usually regardless of whoever they fight. Keith Thurman for me, Kim. <laughs> there you go. As long as it's not on pay-per-view, right? right? But in this fight, this is a fight that not only... It involves two guys whose careers are going nowhere, mm-hmm. okay? You have a has-been and a never-will-be. Now, listen, I know Sean Porter did win his championship belt from Devin Alexander and Rose, the, you know, raised the IBF 147-pound belt before uh, Kell Brook handled him in a very physical fight. But Sean Porter is a guy that clearly is not uh, the apple of Al Heyman's eye. No. And has no, uh, he's not even on the order of the pecking list. He fights once a year now. Andre Berto is, you know, one of Al Heyman's greatest, greatest charades. Greatest mirages alongside Adrian Broner in his promotional career, to be honest. Oh, we think he's got five, six fights from Al here in the last five years, and he's probably made, what, 10 mil, maybe? Eight, 10 mil? And you know what's probably even the more fucked up thing? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure Dan Raphael or, or one of our fans that follows these things closer than we do will correct me if it is untrue. 
But I would even be willing to bet a little cash that Andre Berto has got the bigger purse in this fight. How much you want to bet? <laughs> I would not fucking surprise me one bit. I will not bet you, sir. Well, he fought Floyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're right. He earned it. <laughs> um, Porter versus Berto, man. I'm going to just lay it to you, and you tell me what you think. I don't Actually, know. tell me what you think. I don't fucking know what to think, man. I don't. I, you know, on paper, is, could this fight have an exciting factor to it? I, I guess, yeah. <coughs> Berto's been in some good fights, some very entertaining fights over the years, but uh, he's appeared pretty washed here lately. <laughs> he appears to have no fucking legs left, and you're going to put him in the ring against Sean Porter, who I respect the fuck out of as a fighter. I have nothing bad to say about Sean Porter as a fighter. His lack of fighting, his lack of being able to get fights, I don't put on them. I, I, I realize that they they would probably be more vocal than they already are. I, I don't understand why they're not, to be honest with you, Ken, because they only fight once a year. So where, where are you going from there? There's no nowhere else to go. You're going to have to put you in the ring somehow. So, look, I, it's... Are we, it's going to be another fucking fight where Sean Porter's just going to smother his punches for 12 rounds. I, I, I don't fucking care to watch a guy that I know doesn't have the power to stop Berto. In my opinion, he doesn't. Maybe he will. I don't know. Berto could be washed beyond washed in this fight. That very well could be the case. But uh, I'm sorry, man. I Bert, or Berto Porter, to me, as a fighter, has become a guy that... I. I don't get that pump to watch his fights, Ken. I really don't because I, he's just, uh, tell me why at, at any point in any fight or in his career, why his father, his trainer, Kenny Porter, never once in between any round said, stop smothering your punches, son. <laughs> Not once. Have you ever heard that? Like it hasn't been a problem. No, it's everybody in the boxing community calls him out on that, but it, it will never change. And I get it. I guess it's a style They've developed that they think in a 12-round fight, we're either going to wear a fighter down or we're going to win enough rounds just based on work rate to win the fight. But I, yeah, that bit doesn't do it for me. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. All right. This is how I kind of relate the the path of Sean Porter's career. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and, and like you touched on this, like, sense of him being sort of, like, you know, cast aside by Al Heyman. All right. So you know that I know – um, a former executive with the WWE. Right. Okay. And I asked him one day, I said to him, I said, listen, you have been making matches and creating TV for professional wrestling for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. All right. Has there ever been a time where the wrestlers have gone off script? Right. <laughs> so I asked him, I had asked the question. Right. And he said, absolutely not. And I said, but what about everybody out there saying that that fight was fixed or that guy was supposed to win and he took a flop and blah, blah, blah. He said, no. He said, absolutely not. He said, there may have been one fight back in the 80s involving Greg the Hammer Valentine and Bret Hart that may have gone off script. Right. But it ended one of the, of the wrestlers' careers. Yes. Okay? So I said, so, what's, so what happens if it were to happen? He goes, Kenny, it hasn't happened in 30 years, but I tell you what, if it did happen, that person would never be able to find work. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I don't care if it's John Cena, The Rock, any of these guys. If they went off script, they would be blackballed from the sport mm-hmm. because nobody goes off script. I think Sean Porter th- th- was supposed to take a... I think Adrian Broner was supposed to pin Sean Porter and Broner was supposed to lift the <laughs> WWE spinner belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he went off script 
He beat Adrian Broner, and now he's being blackballed from the sport, much like a professional wrestler would if he went off. Screen. Well, that's Al's dumbass fault, and the matchmakers in the PBC for thinking that Berto or Berto well, maybe he Porter should've... was going to lose to Broner. <laughs> I don't know what dumbass thought that was going to happen. Al, <laughs> Al, yeah. Look, man, I think it's it's a shame, but there is something to it. It's because Sean Porter is just, I'm with you. It's ugly to watch. I mean, those that, that, that heralded, you know, Thurman versus Porter as the fight of the year were just so way off on that one, man. I mean, the sloppiness, and that's something that Sean Porter brings to it. Look, if you're fighting against a a, a professional women's fighter like Paulie Malinaji, then you can get away with the way that you fight. Because uh, when the other fighter is fighting in a style not to knock anybody out, not to hurt anybody, right? Yeah, you can knock him through or her through the ropes. <laughs> so, so when does Paulie become the uh, the not whipping boy of the show? <laughs> How long does he got to retire before we stop hating? I just threw that in there. There's just been this. <laughs> there's been this emphatic push that some, it was just he dropped it in there just like seamlessly. Like, yeah, you like that? This little pussy, Polly Malinowski. Yeah, it's a perfect transition, actually. <laughs> you know, uh, following uh, the leads of some of the great journalists of all time, like Peter Jennings and Peter Jen- and George Michael's Sports Machine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Take them back, baby. <laughs> no, it's just been this like push in, in professional boxing for just because we love boxing, like we should also think that women's boxing is amazing. Nope. But there's no action in women's boxing. Although there's tons of skill and athleticism, it's like, okay, so what you want me to watch, you want me to become a diehard fan of a segment of the sport that is basically Pauli Malinaji versus Pauli Malinaji every fight. <laughs> Dude, I can't get behind it. I don't like watching it. I'm sorry. You'll never, ever, ever sell me on women's boxing. It but you've happen. watched it, so you've given it a chance, right? Uh, it's like women's basketball. You just don't like it. It's like, well, why do I want to watch a shittier version of what I like? Like, I'm sorry. It's not It's not chauvinist. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's I, I want to watch the sport at its highest level. I don't want to watch the sport at the highest level that these other group of people can do it at that's nowhere near the highest level of men's boxing. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like the people that are like the diehards that go to the JV football games on Saturday mornings. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But that's kind of like, you know, back to Sean Porter. My point is, is that I think there is limitations with him. He's tough as hell. He's physical as hell. He's got just enough power to make anybody kind of leery of him in the ring. Right. I think he, I, dude, I think he hurts Berto pretty good. You think so? Yeah. Dude, Berto is a is a is a shell of his fraudulent self. No, he he he. Even though he knocked out Ortiz, he looked rough in that fight. Oh, but God, what, what version of Ortiz was that? That was Ortiz's ghost. Ghost. Yeah, yeah. The, I, he gets no credit for that knockout, to be honest. No, and look, I think Sean Porter's got a pretty good chin. We saw the flash knockdown against Adrian, you know, against Adrian Broner. Um, Sean Porter will land something on Berto, but you know. But here's going to be the best part of this. Besides the empty crowd and the you know the cavernous sound of the crickets throughout the Barclays Center, is you are going to be able to hear Virgil in this echo that you've never heard him before when he says, "Don't make me put you down, Berto. Make me lift you up." I forgot he was going to be in Berto's corner. I forgot all about that. Yeah, buddy, you know it. <laughs> Team San Francisco or Oakland? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh. From gangster to gay there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
like an episode of Sons of Anarchy all over again. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. All right, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to uh, look, I'm going to say Porto, <laughs> Porter went Porto. There you go. Fucking Porto, Berto, whatever the fuck. One of them's going to win, Ken. A decision. <laughs> no, Porter's going to win the fucking fight. It's a formality. <laughs> From gangster to gay to Porto to burner. <laughs> Shit happens. Shit happens. Oh, man. Should we continue? Hey, we're professionals. <laughs> uh, we get accused of that a lot, don't we? <laughs> I, I saw one of your Twitter exchanges where somebody was accusing you of being a professional uh, boxing broadcaster. What? Did somebody do that? I can't remember. I get in so many fucking arguments. You don't remember that? <laughs> the guy was like... <laughs> He said something, and you were like, listen, asshole. I think it was on our YouTube channel. You were like, listen, asshole, we're not fucking journalists. Yeah. We're not boxing reporters. We're just two mega fans. That's it. Yeah, no no experts. <laughs> just We're just super fans. He's like, these guys say a lot of I think. Oh, should I tell you what somebody else thinks? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do that. Well, here's what this other guy said. We'll do that the whole show. It'll be great. That's like listening to the Rope and radio podcast. What ifs and I thinks. Well, if you don't have what ifs and I thinks, then you don't have a podcast, sir. Vin, what if I smoked a big doobie and drank six beers before the show? I think I'd call it the tail of the tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get this fucker back on track. All right. Jermel Charlo versus Charles Hatley. All right. The... Uh, Jermel's always been perceived as the lesser of the two Charlos. Um, showed a little bit of power in his last, uh, you know, big fight. Charlo versus Hatley. Look, Hatley's kind of a, I, I guess he's kind of like a kamikaze kind of fighter. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's either going to give Charlo fits or Charlo's just going to outbox him. I think Charlo's abnormally tall for this division. Yeah. And muscular and strong and young and he a lion. Oh, that that's the biggest <laughs> Lion, hashtag lions only <laughs> lions only and i think charles hatley is perceived to be more of a cub yeah oh look i you know hatley didn't fight last year ken he didn't fight for an entire year he ready yeah i'm sure he's ready i'm don king fighters are always ready just ask them just ask amir mom he was ready right? so no actually what hatley was doing him and <laughs> him and yuri foreman were in, in training camp together oh, spa sparring partners oh okay oh, well that's not another that's another minus on the fucking <laughs> Checklist for fucking Hatley, dude. I'm sorry, man. Al Heyman's 154-pound prospect camp. <laughs> Future opponent camp for Laura and the Charlos. <laughs> uh, they call it the B-minus boxing factory. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, look, Charlo's going to box his way to an easy fucking win here, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I'm going to take Charlo. I, dude, I... Honestly, I think Charlie stops him. Yeah, Hatley takes way too many punches. He leaves himself open to get caught. He's a, I'll give Hatley this. He might he may make this fight semi entertaining for a little while. Will he basically in one fell swoop sort of leapfrog the 154 pound division like his brother did? I mean, I know his brother. Look, I think his brother got please, a little a little don't. bit too much credit for the uh, the J Rock fight, like as if J Rock was an established, you know three-time world champion right but he really just beat a prospect <laughs> right. even though a prospect that you and i were fucking mega high on yeah yes absolutely but is he gonna follow uh 
his his bro to one sixty. I fucking sure hope not, because we know they're never going to fight, and we saw that dance at one fifty four. I you know stick down at one fifty four, Jermel. Clean that division out. If you're that damn good, there's no why. There's no reason to go up to one sixty. All these vacant belts at one fifty four. Well, I guess uh, 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 Jarrett Hurd's got the uh, uh, the IBF one now, but this one becomes vacant. That just opens another door for Canelo to be like, nah, I'm still super middleweight. <laughs> Especially with the WBC belt, if that became vacant. Yeah, no shit. You know, there's some guys on the horizon that I guess could test Charlo. I'm not sure anybody that's in that line in the WBC at 154 is really is really ready. Not that Charlo has some established career. No, but he's a polished-ass boxer boy. I mean, it's going to take somebody who is very, very good. It's either going to take a top-notch pressure fighter, which you show me that in the 154-pound division, and I'll show you fucking Jesus Christ because he doesn't exist. So, Uh you know, outboxing him is going to be very hard. The kid is a very fucking good boxer. Is it entertaining? Yeah, that's up for debate. Over under 2,000 people in the crowd. Mm, I'll I'll give him. I'll give him. I'll give them over. They'll get five, six thousand in there. You think? Yeah. By by the time it comes, dude, they're gonna fucking be walking down, walking around Madison Square Garden throwing tickets in the air. Here, come get them. <laughs> oh man. Or not Madison Square Garden, but you know what the fuck I mean. Yeah, Barclay. Madison Square Garden Junior. Yeah. PBC Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the PBC, then. <clears throat> I've been noticing that uh, that not only has the budgetary restrictions of Al Heyman and the uh, Waddell and Reed uh, trust fund has gotten to the point where now Al has he, he not only can he can't afford to pay Berto and Porter their million dollar salaries he can't give JC Superstar a two million dollar side piece check right. anymore <clears throat> and 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 he can't pay for uh Mike Coppinger and Kevin I only to show for him anymore. I read an ar- oh, I-, I read an article. That's a damn shame, <clears throat> isn't it? I read an article by this lady. I don't remember what her name is. I don't really care. Okay? Nobody you've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, most people haven't heard of us. This person has a fraction of the followers that we have on social media. Is been kind of scooped up by fighthype.com, if that says anything. Right. It's like blogging for them or whatever. All of a sudden has this mega access to Tim Smith, the mis- the mysterious, the guy, the uh, the great and power, you know, the the guy in the Wizard of Oz who's pulling the strings behind the curtain. Right. I mean, that's Tim Smith, who doesn't s- tell anybody anything about the PBC. But this lady has access to him and access to the CEO of fucking Spike Entertainment Sports or whatever. Right. And writes this article telling you the real truth about what's happening with the PBC. Are you trying to tell me you and I it took you and I three years just to get fucking Steve Kim to answer the fucking phone? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, eh, almost. Almost. No, but you know what I mean? Right. It's like, okay, so this is where we're at now. You're going to fight hype for them to do a a PR piece for you. It's like, ah, well. We only got 500 left. We already had to cut Coppinger's website, uh, his podcast. His podcast. We had to put his dad on retirement. Well, that did everybody a favor in the end. I, that's the first time I can say thank you, Al. This is what's really going on, okay? There's about to be a mega, 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 mega lawsuit, okay? There's about to be shit is about to go down. 
the Waddell and Reed lawsuit against Al Heyman, and the investors want to know what happened to their money. Yeah. And, yeah, you got any checks and balances there, Al? And the truth about all of these disconnections and the lack of interest from these enti- you know, these TV entities that were going to be getting paid by Al Heyman is there's no more money. There's no more money. It's over. It's done. It's into dust. That little PBC logo that they gratuitously slap onto the bottom of the Showtime broadcast will no longer be there. I read in that article, Ken, that Spike is not out of the boxing business just yet. Oh, they will. They will entertain the PBC down the road. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Al can con somebody out of another half a billion. (laughs) He ain't conning anybody out of shit. Regardless of however these sides try to spin things. Right. Spike ain't paying for PBC anymore. That's that's the one fact we know, regardless of how, you know, his shills that he pays or the people that have been reporting on this from the other side that see it more through a realistic lens and are evaluating the actual facts of this situation. Right. There's no money. Nobody was ever going to give him money for boxing. What, is it just miraculously going to appear? What, that fucking dipshit on Reddit who said that there was some $5 billion deal coming from Fox for the PBC? What? Yeah, I forgot all about that Waddell and Reed doesn't even exist anymore. (laughs) So you're trying to tell me that fucking Fox is going to give Al Heyman 10 times as much money as Waddell and Reed did? No, absolutely fucking not. Here's the sad part about this. We've always bitched about these guys' inflated sort of uh, sense of self-worth, okay? And Al Heyman perpetuated that by paying way too much. That's why they ran out of money so fast. If you pay the networks and overpay your fighters, you're not going to have any money. You're not going to make any money, especially if you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Well, just just go back to the first show and the production and the people they brought in. Like, bringing fucking Bob Costas and Marv Albert. Dude, the 60-year-olds that were watching, that are, uh, the people that were watching in the 80s that are now 60 years old gave up on boxing a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And Bob Costas and Sugar Ray Leonard ain't going to bring them back to the sport. And neither is fucking Hans Zimmer. And your ridiculous fucking stage. And your muted fucking entrances for fighters. No ring girls. No ring announcer. No belts. Let's flip the whole fucking sport on its head that's existed forever. And on, on, on top of it, let's try to hostily take over the sport and push every other promoter and every other fucking entity out. Fuck you. I, I'm sorry, man. This is why, and I, I've gotten shit about it lately here. I've given them shit from the beginning because of that. It's not like they came into the sport with their fucking hands out across the aisle. Let's make this happen. Let's make boxing fucking great again. No, they came out with some bullshit. Boxing is going to be free for everybody. Free boxing for all. That platform is what they ran on. All right. That ain't that's it's gone. That doesn't exist. And it hardly existed in their the first two years of their run. So sorry. That is why I fucking hate it. They deserve it. They had a fucking, a bank load of fucking money. And what did they do? They went out and they fucking turned networks off to boxing even fucking more than they already were turned off to begin with. For a chance to rebuild boxing's reputation, 
with networks. He took a big fucking steaming dump on that in a time where boxing is now fucking struggling to find outlets. Everything, everybody's fucking trying to stream shit now. They realize it's changing. But Al Heyman fucked everybody with the way he handled this venture. Where was the fucking business plan, dude? Honestly, was there one? Or was we have superstars that we can just put their name on a fucking billboard. We put Thurman and Garcia on a billboard. Everybody's going to come running. Ah, sorry, Jack. That ain't it. That ain't going to do it. Only Lou DiBella and Jake Donovan got copies of that, Vince. (laughs) (laughs) They're the only ones that really know. Sorry, I haven't gone on a PBC, you know, little rant in a while, but I'm sorry, man. Like, don't don't fucking apologize for these fucking people. If that's what you're in the business of doing, and especially, and I gave Jake Donovan shit last week, and was I a little fucking too rough probably? Sorry, that's that's me sometimes. Dude. Don't give me excuses for a company that I know pays you to be a fucking apologist. And don't, when I call you on it, you get upset about it. That's fine. But I'm sorry. I don't respect your opinion fully because how can I? It's fucking biased. It doesn't matter. And it's clearly biased. Everybody's paid by somebody. Right. But That doesn't mean you have to compromise your fucking coverage of the sport. Exactly. When you spin the truth to the agenda of the person that's paying you. Like if you're paid to call a fight for a certain promotional company, right? Right. It's your job to call the fight. Now you have a choice. You can jump hardcore into it and you can say, I'm riding and toting the company line. Cause I need more work. Mm-hmm. I need job security. So I'm going to go in that direction. Or you can take the honest road, say your piece back away from it. And if people like you enough, they'll call you for more work. But there's these, there's, you know, people would lump us into this generation, but you and I don't seek fortune and fame from this. You know, we, we've said it a million times on this show that we're in this because we love boxing and because we love to podcast and we like to, you know, talk sports. You, right. know, you know, this is what we really like to do. So that's why we do it. And we lose money. We invest. It's a hobby. Okay. We're not fucking journalists, but we get lumped into this category of these, you know, the fighthight.coms and, the, and these YouTube warriors. And these guys that go out there and are literally trying to make a living by putting their lips as as suctioned as you know as tight as they can be to the ass of whoever they feel can take them the furthest. Mm-hmm. And these guys are all viewed in that in, in that same category. It's like, listen, you and I realized a long time ago this sport is so fucked up that we don't ever have a chance of making a living doing this inside of it. No. Because no, it's not organized enough. No, nor am I going to temper my <laughs> fucking opinions because some fighter might have their feelings hurt. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Or promoter or whoever. Exactly. So here's what you do. You can stay in, in, in sort of, uh, you know, this, this gray neutral area that we try to be in and just give our opinions and be fans. Or you can latch on. But guess what? Once you make that dedication, and people did, they came out because they thought that the PBC could take them to where they want to go in this boxing industry. I hate to break it to you, but you chose the wrong side. And it's not about sides. We didn't choose sides. We came out from day one and called the PBC what it was from the beginning. And I said it just like you said it, but I said it in these words. When the PBC catches on fire, I'm going to be sitting in a lawn chair roasting marshmallows. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, 
that is the truth of this. This has been going down. Dude, people, when they first turned into this show, they were like, oh, the tail of the tape. You know what? These guys are these guys are funny. These guys are good. But, man, I wish they'd stop talking about real boxing. I want that watered-down fucking Mike Coppinger bullshit that I've been. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, sorry. This right. is what you get. Vince and I were talking about before we went on the, on, on the air tonight how boxing has kind of sucked the life out of us a little bit. About how it sort of like sucked the passion. Um, and this get... is in one of boxing's best years since we've been doing this. Yes. In its best year. But the more you know and the more you see what goes on behind the scenes, you wouldn't enjoy porn so much if you, ha- if you saw uh, you know, that gay male porn star's boyfriend fluffing him to get him ready to go in and bang that chick that he's not attracted to. Would you like it as much? But when you know what happens behind the scenes? Uh, yeah. It'll wear on you. <laughs> if you wear it. <laughs> No, but I mean that I mean, Vince, that's just it. We can go round and round on this, but I hate to say it, but we were fucking right. Yeah, sorry. Period. And I know that drives a lot of people crazy. And especially your boy fucking Mizzou or whatever his name is. Uh, I'm, I'm done with him. He'll spin in the, he'll spin this into some race baiting comment about how everything was about how everybody was trying to take down the black man with the money. No. No, 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 no. That wasn't the black man's oh, money. We, <laughs> that was other people's money. Guess what? I, we were all, I was very fucking, when, when I heard the PBC was going to start and I knew this is how they were attempting to make their place in the world of boxing, I questioned their fucking business, business ethics. But if they were able to make it work and boxing was back on free television, all the, I would have said... It was clear from the first press conference, the announcement of the PBC, that that was not how it was going to be. They invited their shills, their mouthpieces, to disseminate a message that was clearly off course from the reality that the consumer was taking it in. I lost a lot of respect for people that cover the sport of boxing, man. I really did. A lot of people have, but Lou DiBella uses it as as if that's the reason why boxing's in its state. That people like fucking Lou DiBella can't... Lou DiBella, Don King, they're all the same. They're in it for themselves and can't realize, well, hey, Lou, if you just tried for a second to get your guy out there and promote him and weren't worried about the next advantage you could take in the sport, you know? Yeah. It's sad. Fucking sad, dude. Yeah. Boxing's having having its best year, and, and before we start the show tonight, we're having a conversation about how it's like, man, sometimes, I said, what I say, 95% of the fighters in this fucking sport, and you can't. It, they, they're yeah. just frustrating. Then two star rating on iTunes because you're too negative. Oh, sorry. Oh, these guys. You know what? I wish you'd just tell me what I want to hear. I mean, seriously, that's what most negative ratings on iTunes say. Yeah, they say, you know what? I wish these guys would tell me everything that I have created and crafted in this narrative of a world that I live in. I mean, at least Facebook and and Instagram and and, and Twitter allow me to block everything I disagree with so I can curtail and cater (laughs) my own reality. Well, there ain't no curtailing or catering here, my friend. (laughs) Hating. Hate, hate, hate. (laughs) Ben? I've always wondered. We've been complaining about losing money on this podcast. Why we have not gotten into the haterade manufacturing business? I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. All right, quick post fight, and we'll get to one little news and note: Ricky Burns versus Julius and Dongo. Vin, everybody's got a boner over in Dongo. Ken, is that because you picked Burns to win, Vin? 
Yeah, I'm fucking bitter. I'm so bitter. It ruined my fucking weekend that Ndongo took down my Scottish fucking god, Ricky Burns. I mean, look, everybody got really excited about this fight and and about Ndongo afterwards. I'll say this. Maybe maybe this is a stretch, but I attribute a little bit of it to this. You have a rabid group of diehard boxing fans that when there's not a fight on on a weekend that they can get up for, it's it's disappointing. So this was the biggest fight of the weekend, okay? I think everybody got a little bit too excited watching Julius and Dongo just because they were a little fucking hungry for some boxing. So they're fucking starving. And when you're starving, you can eat a fucking Ruth's Chris fucking filet or a Big Mac from McDonald's. It's going to taste the fucking same when you're starving. You know what I'm saying? It is. Yeah. And I think, look, and Dongo is good and has a good jab and is awkward. But what people saw is effective, awkward boxing. I'm telling you right now, I see fucking holes upon holes upon holes and sloppy, sloppy, lunging offensive attacks that can be picked apart by the man everybody wants him to fight now in Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford will land a short, straight right or left right down Broadway and plink that man on the mat <laughs> inside eight rounds. I'm sorry. I, that's Nobody seems to agree with me. But when I'm watching that fight against Ricky Burns, I'm saying, Ricky, can you step inside of that range, that ridiculous range that he's lunging from, and just throw a short straight right hand? Because he's going to walk right into it. He's going to come right into it. And a couple times he was able to do it. I don't know if he got touched by Ndongo and, and completely stopped. I've never fucking seen. I mean, you talk about a washed-up version of Ricky Burns. He was never that great to begin with. So we got this ultimately fucking washed, gun-shy fighter. And, yes, Ndongo beat him. Credit. Good job. But I'm not – come on. Let's fucking pump the brakes on Ndongo a little bit. Oh, Ndongo's going to take over the world then. Well, apparently at about uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that was the message I was getting. Look, here's what I think. I agree with you with the Crawford uh, Ndongo prognostication. Yeah. I think it is the smartest thing in both fighters – you know, Ndongo could try to milk this if he wants to. Eddie Hearn could make him, like, you know, the number five hitter on an Anthony Joshua pay-per-view. Right. You know, fill him in the, uh, you know, since Callum Smith is now going to take over the world, uh, Ndongo can fill him the number five hole <laughs> in the lineup. You know, that's all fine and good. He he can try to milk it if he wants. He's a unified champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that definitely brings with it some prizes. And you know what? There's a lot of guys in and around uh, Julius Ndongo's weight that are serviceable that are just good enough to give Ndongo a little bit of fits that Eddie Hearn can make money off of both sides. So I get it, depending on how many options there are. The, look, from a pure boxing standpoint, and all fucking take all the political bullshit and emotion out of this, and, and, and what have you done for me lately? Oh, my God, Ndongo got me hard, and it won't go down. Um, the best thing for both Ndongo and Crawford is to make the fight immediately. Ndongo's 34 years old. Crawford has some legal troubles ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, Crawford only fights twice a year now. Yep. Um, has kind of, even though, yes, we consider him to be probably one of the 10 best fighters in the world, um, he's kind of uh, on the side narrative. He's on the outside looking in as guys like Canelo and Triple G and Anthony Joshua make storylines. Right. Yeah, I mean, fucking even, even Connor and Floyd are making storylines, right? <laughs> so... Indongo at his age, Crawford's inability to make headlines for something other than, you know, some incident that happens in his hometown. Indongo versus Crawford, unify it, all four belts on the line. Get it done. 
Ndongo will get his biggest paycheck. Bob will overpay Ndongo for those four belts. And Crawford can do what we've all wanted him to do a year ago. Just go to 147 and try to make those fights. Yes, is a Mikey Garcia fight in the future? Does that seem like it'd be a great matchup? And I'm sorry, that that fight ain't happening unless Mikey Garcia signs some kind of contract with top rank again. <laughs> and that ain't happening. <laughs> you know, he wants to be a mercenary. He wants to be a hired henchman. That's his prerogative. If he thinks he can make the kind of money he thinks he can make. Hopkins and, was able to do it. I'm not sure Garcia can can pull that off. But Hopkins fought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Garcia hasn't proven that he's all that interested in fighting as, you know, outside of an Andre Ward-esque career, which Mikey Garcia in a lot of ways is Andre ward light. Yeah. From the bullshit perspective, from the, hey, I can get away with it because I'm well-spoken. People think I'm smart. His fights are a lot more entertaining. I'll give him that. Yeah. Well, look, if you give Ellie Secback access to you, he'll turn you into a star. Maybe with the wrong group of people, but he'll, he'll turn you into a star. Well, I'll tell you what. You'd be the most disappointed about anything for missing uh, the MGM card the other weekend. Uh, you met old Ellie? Oh, absolutely not. I wasn't going to say a fucking word to him. Is he but a I... titan of industry? <laughs> <laughs> he was walking around with Kelly Pavlik. I was like, Whoa. I was like, of course. I guess Kelly Pavlik was like a guest with him or whatever. But, man, it was hilarious. Just... <laughs> That's like Hodor and Tyrion walking around through Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> or not Middle Earth. Kelly Pavlik. Westeros. <laughs> Kelly Pavlik's a cool fucking dude, man. Not talk to him for a minute. Fucking uh, solid fucking down-to-earth guy, man. Did Ellie Sekback get the interview? Like, was he videotaping you and Pavlik having a conversation? No, I, like, it's, he's, I can smell him. Get over here. Let's talk over here. But Vin, you hating because Ellie Rich. <laughs> no, I ain't hating. <laughs> Um, look, okay, all that joking aside, look, uh, Ndongo should just go for Crawford. If he's going to beat him, he, he's not going to stand a chance to beat Crawford in two years. He's not going to be better at 36 than he was at 34. Well, I can tell you who he's not fighting, and that's Sergey Lipinets because there's no money in that fight, and that's a very risky fight. So you think he, he drops the belt and there's no unification? Well, the unification would take precedence, though. Yeah, it would, so they'd have to get that done quickly. So either drop the belt. And or, the IBF doesn't give people much time. They're like fucking three weeks after a fight. They're like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, we're, ready, we're ready to uh, sanction another fight. We need a check. Yeah, Tyson Fury wasn't even through his first line of coke before they stripped him. <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> or his first bucket of KFC, you know what I mean? <laughs> God, he looks miserable. Uh, doesn't he? Oh, my God. So, uh, I mean, every, yeah, every time I look at him, I feel bloated and uncomfortable. <laughs> You know what? The, but I was thinking about this today, and I know we're going to talk a lot more about about Joshua and Klitschko in the future, uh-huh. um, especially next week. The whole episode is going to be dedicated to that. But I tell you what, man, I can't help but think this: if there were by some chance that Tyson Fury was able to drop, you know, back down to two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty pounds, even two seventy, I still think he's better than anybody out there in the heavyweight division right now. Luis Ortiz can't stay healthy or can't stay with a promoter. He's doing what Cubans be doing. Hey, I'll give Tyson Fury this. For not being in the ring, he's been able to keep his name in the news in boxing. So when it comes time for him to make a return, a return it's going to be a big deal. And whether that's his only fight when he comes back, I, I think it makes sense that he and whoever becomes the unified heavyweight champion, whether that be Anthony Joshua or... Whoever, Deontay Wilder, I, who knows? That's fucking 
throw throw some names up in the air. It could be any of them, as far as I'm concerned. But as soon as that happens, you're going to see him say, I'm ready now. I'm ready to come back and fight the now unified champion. And more than likely, if he's in any fucking semi-decent shape and 90% of what he was when he fought Klitschko, he'll probably win. Oh, I think he beats all of them. Yeah. He's just a better boxer than all of them. Yeah. He's not the strongest. He doesn't have the biggest power. No. But what I have noticed, uh, to touch on your point about how Fury keeps himself in the headlines, let me ask you, do you think maybe Deontay has not been in the headlines because of the altercation with Gerald Washington? Somebody told him to lay low. Ah, It's funny how that kind of just went right away, huh? (laughs) But very quiet from Jake Donovan. Yeah. Um, and uh, No no reports there. Yeah, yeah. Wilder's PR team headed up by Donovan have not reported a thing. (laughs) Nor have any numbers been spun. <laughs> but I'm sure they'll hit up Jake to spin some numbers after this Perto, uh, this Perto versus Bordo. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hard to say, isn't it? God damn. I'll just how about this Porto and Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a late night Cartoon Network <laughs> show. Oh dear. All right. So uh, Julius and Dongo, I guess the shocks Scotland. <laughs> I guess. Was Scotland really, did they really think Ricky had another one in them? Nah, they're usually realistic about the guy who drinks too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> Throw him in the street. All right, so uh, Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev 2. News and notes, close the show. Mm-hmm. The show has drug out. Oh, sorry for everybody out there who thought we were only going to do a 20-minute show. Um, Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev part 2. We haven't talked about this. There'll be much to talk about in the lead-up, especially when the camps get going. What I do know is this, though. This has been ugly. Mm -hmm. Andre Ward has... It's weird considering that nobody really knows who Andre Ward is or, like, outside of the boxing world. But Andre Ward is trying to, like, make these Floyd Mayweather power moves with with, with Kovalev and is trying to base his entire promotion, at least from his side, by minimizing everything that Kovalev is or does and making this an A-side, B-side conversation. Have people not, like, did Andre Ward miss, two thousand? Uh, May, you know, May 2nd, 2015? I mean, did he miss it? Did he miss that nobody, like, stopped the A-side, B-side? Like, Floyd's whole career has been mired in this. Like, the negativity outside of his personal domestic disputes, it, it's, it's just, there's it's like tarnished by how Floyd always had to have the advantages. He always had to prove that he was the A-side. Andre Ward's inferiority complex is far more severe than Floyd's. Well, at least with Floyd, like when the guy finally got to that fight, when you fought Floyd, it was you you, you hit the fucking lottery, okay? So uh, to a certain extent, Floyd made a lot of fighters rich. So it's a bit a bit of a different fucking oh totally, totally. situation than it is with Andre but Ward. Ward thinks he's that. Yeah, it, it, to me, how he can think in in some fucking twisted world that he has that type of pull. First of all, the fact that he would not accept neutral judges to me is a fucking joke, a complete joke. Why? Because he can. Why, Andre? Are you scared, <laughs> or because just because you want control, or are you scared that if you don't have American judges? Your fucking shit grabbing clutch style won't be fucking scored. Wasn't it Andre Ward that said he wouldn't go to Canada and fight Lucian Boutte because he couldn't get fair judging? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Funny how that works. Well, wow. Wow. Man. Mind blowing. Hey, 
This, this, this fucking guy is so self-unaware. It's unfucking believable. What did you think about Chris Mannix's article about him? Oh, I was fucking spot on, dude. Spot on. And it's about time somebody just had enough and said, Andre. Lately, in the last couple of years, the last year or so, I will say, Chris Mannix is, is, has taken steps up the list as far as guys covering the sport. I fucking love what he, how he challenged Lou. I love that article. Dude, yes, fucking challenge these guys, man. Seriously. Sorry. Gonna hurt some feelings. Yeah, but here's the thing with Chris. Chris gets paid by a company. He doesn't get paid. Well, that's where you're going to get your best coverage. He's established. The guy was an established. Well, tell Kevin Ioli that, would you? <laughs> I'm having a hard time picturing Kevin Ioli as like an established human being. I just like picture him with like a pair of binoculars looking into his neighbor's bedroom as as, <laughs> as they're changing their clothes. Jesus Christ. Uh, their, Killing the man. The, their, <laughs> their neighbor's kid's bedroom. <laughs> Like a creepy priest. And that's why we'll never be a part of the b- traveling boxing circus, Ken. I think we're pretty mild compared to Lou Bella, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> no, but I, look, I agree with you, man. I, I, I think, look, Chris Mannix can do it. For, look, we can do it from a perspective that we're fans. Right. This is our money. Nobody's giving us any money. We do whatever the fuck we want. This is America. Yeah. America. You know what I mean? This is America. <laughs> Chris Mannix, he, he, he's like a tenured professor, except and not a liberal one who can say whatever they want and tarnish like humanity for the rest of their lives by like handing out coloring books and bubbles to kids that, you know, or like, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. Like these tenured professors that can do whatever they want. He's a tenured boxing person, a sports person. Right. He can challenge these people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's good to see that because boxing is... Look, I remember, like, not to go back to the PBC stuff, but remember when the PBC was doing these shows with Dana Jacobson and she'd be, like, standing in front of this fake crowd? It'd be, yeah, yeah, it'd be, yeah. <laughs> it'd be an empty arena, <laughs> right? But they'd, like, shift at these people and they'd be like, okay, follow me. And they'd hand them water bottles because they'd walk them all the way around the stadium. This is real. This is true. Oh, it's been caught on camera. Yes. We've caught it. This, this is, is documented. This is not Vin and Ken making this up. This here, is, you, you, in here, this aisle. What, Fit, hurry up. What is crazy, though, is I've seen, I remember these, like, still photos of those shots of, like, all these people, like, hyping up, like, dancing and hyping behind Dana, or whoever it was, you know, like, like in these little fucking, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to kill 15 minutes between fights. And there's guys with, like, from fighthype.com and from fucking supremeboxing.com yeah. that are in these groups of people that are paid given free seats and free beverages and food to walk around in front of the camera and cheer, and they're holding up their credentials. How they're fucking stupid can you be? Flossing with their credentials <laughs> going, yeah, look, look where I made it. I made it. <clears throat> All for a selfie, then. Oh, my God. This fucking society is pathetic. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, man. It's so funny. But the thing that, you know, Andre Ward just thinks that he is – He's just been dealt a bad hand the entire time, uh, you know, and it, the entire time. And, and he has no <clears throat> wrongdoing in that situation. Yeah, he never embraced his white side, Ben. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's uh, much to say for that because Keith Thurman embraced his white side and he ain't gone nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It turned him into a penniless hippie. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I, look, that's all joking aside. I, I, 
the problem I have with the beef that's going on in this fight mm-hmm. is that people are making this white black. Yeah. And and you know, I, I look, I know it's an unspoken rule in the United States that if you're mixed, if you're half black and you're half white, that you have responsibility to embrace your black side. It's the whole premise of that <clears throat> of the racial draft from, you know, the Chappelle show. Right. Like there's these assumptions that if you're half this and half that, you have to embrace this half or you ain't real. Right. You know what I mean? This this fight to me is not about race. I mean, the fact that Andre Ward is considered, you know, the the righteous brother who sticks up for black rights and 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 and, and behaves in this victim way, right? Very acceptable nowadays. That he's painted as that is is such an extreme to probably what he really is. And Sergey Kovalev, the fact that he's a Russian fighter who happens to have light skin, he is considered a white guy from America. So you got a white guy from America versus some downtrodden, victimized black man from from America. Mm-hmm. And in reality, we got this fucking entitled mixed guy versus this Russian. <laughs> That's the fucked up part about the drama behind this. But guess what? It's entertaining in, 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 in the Twitter sphere. Right. But it, it this ain't Floyd versus Manny or Floyd versus whoever. Right. It's not going it, to. This is Ward versus Kovalev. I don't know how well this fight is going to sell. I don't it, think it's going to sell very well at all. I don't, I don't see it doing any better than the first fight did. The first fight was okay. It wasn't a great fight. It was a good fight. I, Ken, I've, I have a free voucher for a round trip airfare and two nights in Vegas. And I'm waiting for the right fight to use it for. You would think that Ward Kovalev too. Like if we had, if there's a, if this fight happened already and there was a rematch, the first one had to be good. So I, I definitely would want to be at Ward Kovalev too, right? No, absolutely not. <clears throat> I, I, I can't fucking drop that voucher on that fight. I can't do it. I don't know what it is. I just can't. Well, and now that Rock Nation is in charge of the promotion, you know the fight's not going to be promoted well. So there's not going to be anything. So what you have going in the favor for, for diehard boxing fans is, okay, so free voucher to Vegas, <clears throat> two of the best 10 fighters in the world, I guess. That's what everybody tells me. But we kind of have an idea of how this thing's going to go now because mm-hmm. Andre Ward is trying to floyd all these all these advantages. He won't let my Donna use the horsehair gloves. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. he, he's bringing up featherweights all the way up to welterweight. You know, whatever it is, you, you get this sense that this fight is rigged to go in Andre Ward's favor unless Sergey Kovalev is able to knock him out. Yeah. And, 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 and because of that, if Andre Ward just promoted this fight as what it could be, like they could make this completely delusional. They could fucking promote this like an Anthony Joshua fight and just lie. Just make it spectacular right. and grand and bullshit and promote. Make it a circus. But Andre Ward's ego will not allow that. No, no, he won't. And that's why his career suffered, man. His ego. But, Ben, <clears throat> his pocketbook hasn't. No. And that's it, fucking HBO's fault for enabling this bullshit. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, there, there's one thing. That man has gotten very rich off being, you know, you can ride the Super 6 all you want. But other than that, this, this is a guy that beat a bunch of, I think, after it was all said and done <laughs> in that tournament. You know, Carl Frotch was a good fighter, but, I, you know world-class talent-wise, he never really fucking beat anybody, Ken. Kovalev, and he didn't beat him, so I don't care what the fuck you said. <laughs> anybody says. Well, he ain't undefeated. He's 0-3 versus Dan Goosen. <laughs> <laughs> he is that. You know what I mean? He is that. 
I don't know, man. Look, I'll watch it. I'll buy it because I do think that, you know, there's been some sort of insight brought into this. So from what we know now, after this fight is over, a lot of people, a majority of people think that, that, that Sergey Kovalev won this fight is that Andre Ward had serious knee problems coming into this fight. So much so that he didn't even do any road work. He did no track work, no running. So it, it, it kind of brings you modern visions because this is a, a, you know, a very relatable sort of modern uh, memory that we have of what was going on. Oh, all of a sudden, Sergio's got knee braces on. Mm-hmm. He's training for the Cotto fight, and he's not doing the moves, and the, he's, he's not doing the road work. He's not doing the bike work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All he's doing is, is, is technique work. All he's doing is shadow boxing. All he's doing is hitting a heavy bag. Right. Right? Um, Andre Ward's knees, he's aging. Okay? When you fight a style of fighting where 75% of what you do is tackle and hug and have to use your, 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 your weight and your strength to out-physical people, it's going to take a toll on you. And that's not to say that the same... <clears throat> sort of, uh, you know, physical declines not going on with Sergey Kovalev because mm-hmm. it could be Kovalev overtrained for the last fight. You heard about how long he stayed at high altitude, and people were like, "What? Why did you train that long?" I hate that. That's an excuse now, though. I really fucking do. Maybe it's an excuse. Maybe it's not. I guess my point is this: is that Andre Ward's going to do what Andre Ward does. Him and Virgil are going to talk each other into thinking that they are fucking, you know, Mary and Joseph. That they actually gave birth to Christ. Right? right, Sergey Kovalev. This is intriguing news. I don't know what it means. We'll find out. But he's going to open his camp in Big Bear with Golovkin and, and uh, Abel Sanchez, and that's where he's going to be training. Is it really? Yeah, he's going to Big Bear. He's going to train there, and then he's going to Oxnard to train at the Clemus Gym. Hey, well, that's a fucking smart move. Very smart move. Let's see, train with Golovkin, and then when I'm done, I'll go train with Lomachenko. Yeah, get sparring with Gavazdic. Yeah, get sparring with Usyk. I think it's smart. Yeah, look, I don't want to hear the overtraining bit. I can't stand that. I know, it that. drives you crazy. I, I can't fucking stand that. Don't make an excuse. <laughs> you overtrained? I mean, come on. You were training for a fight that was the biggest fight of your career, and because you lost, you overtrained. Fuck that. No. <laughs> What's worse, though? Kovalev using the excuse that he overtrained or having to listen to Andre Ward just make stuff up about himself? <laughs> How about Virgil dropping the... Yeah, we know he... Uh... He's he's a year round vodka drinker. It's like, dude, fucking easy, man. Jesus Christ! Tell you what, man, fucking Russians get blamed for everything, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Hey, I like their vodka though. I'll tell, I'll I'll give them that. Yeah. Do they make Tito's vodka? No, they do not. Mm, that's racist. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? The Mexicans don't be making. Don't be making Russian vodka? <laughs> Man. Man. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> if I ever heard of it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Tito's is the best, though. Oh, absolutely. It's not even fucking close. Yeah. It's not racist. It's got a, it's got a fucking twist off top. <laughs> it's for everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody can get down with a twist off top. You know what? It, I'll tell look, you what. I'm fucking body by Tito's right now. Are you? Yeah, it's working working out pretty good. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> body by Tito, dude. Hey, I'm I'm not a vodka drinker, man, but that's smooth. Oh, that's smooth. You can if you could take a shot of it. Come on. I remember I was at a uh, 
at a Cypress Hill concert back in like 1999 at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. And uh, when they came on stage, B-Real yells out into the crowd, and he's like, anybody got a joint? And, dude, he just started getting peppered with fucking joints. You know what I'm saying? Be like, yo, Sergey, you got some vodka? Starts throwing out Smirnoff singles. <laughs> what if he threw out Tito's singles? He should just walk in the next press conference like, yay, hello. <laughs> Everybody, let's get drunk. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Uh, look, that's the intrigue about this fight. I think one of these two is going to go over the hill. And honestly, I, I look, my early prediction in this fight is that Kovalev stops him. I think Ward doesn't have it left. He, he's been talking retirement for a while, and I think he's meant it. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of that hearing that narrative coming out has kind of mm, almost made me change my mind on who I think is going to win this fight. But I think Andre Ward's going to win a split decision, Ken. You think? Yeah. Uh, Glenn yep. Trowbridge and, uh, uh, yep. and, and Feld- company. Feldman, Adelaide Bird, <laughs> oh, yeah. Glenn Trowbridge. Dude, dude Kovalev will Bayless, have- Bayless, ref. I mean, this is this is Floyd Mayweather light yeah. in Vegas. With those, with those judges and that referee. Oh, uh, Kovalev will drop Andre Ward three times. Adelaide Bird will have it 119 to 109 for Ward over <laughs> Kovalev. Right? Yeah, I that's what scares me more than anything about picking Kovalev. Oh, Adelaide has no shame. No. She takes cuts from everybody. None of them do. Nah, she don't care that Andre's mixed, that he's half white. <laughs> she don't mind. You know what I mean? I know it bothers a lot of people that he's half white. Oh, you would, uh, you would never know. Nah, Adelaide's like, hey, greenback's the same. <laughs> greenback's the same. All right, so Andre Ward versus Sergei, uh, Sergei Kovalev, too. Uh, I'm sorry if uh, your butt hurts because you can't take some joking about the whole premise and what has turned this fight into. We ain't wrapped too tight for living here, brother. Now, you know what? Relax. This is about as fever pitched as this fight's going to get. So, all right. So we reached the pinnacle of the promotion with a, a fucking racist argument about a fight between two guys that could not be. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, it never did. No. No, but that's what people are arguing about, Vin. That's that's what's uh, it's turning the dials here in, in the uh, world these days. Yeah, but to quote the uh, uh, the great song by the Killers, "This is the world that we live in." Vin, is it? Is yeah, it now? It is. <laughs> Ain't no going back. That fucking sucks. Well, Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev will cost you seventy five dollars. Yeah, I'll be looking for a free stream of that. I think, Ken. Well, when you decide to pull the trigger and order it, I'll, I'll be at your house. Are you going to pay for half? I'll bring the beer. <laughs> I'll pick up dinner. I'll order pizzas late night. At least the Cate's got a, like a $15 coupon if you buy a 12-pack for the Canelo Chavez fight. Well, we're going to have to hit up one of our buddies to stop and get to Cate then. Yeah, a couple that, of them. That ain't my rodeo. No, I don't <laughs> drink that shit. No, nope, I guess I'm a PBC fan because uh, they're the official. Uh, oh no, it's not the official sponsor. The presenting sponsor. Oh yes, whatever that means. Wait, where's your uh, collectible bottles? There, your Danny Garcia, your Deontay Wilder, your Keith Thurman. Man, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't close to the toilet and I pissed on them. <laughs> hey man, empty bottle around. It's fitting. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you spend a year in Afghanistan sleeping in a tent, you'll start peeing in bottles. Promise. <laughs> Danny Garcia won't seem pro. I thought it would turn colors, but it didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, hold on. Wrap this fucker up, would you? Yeah. You've been listening to episode 158 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing 
podcast. Vin, sorry things went off the rails, my friend. Uh, it, it was a good time, brother. You know what's crazy? I laughed, I cried, all that. <laughs> you cried? No. I cried. You know what's wild, though, is is that imagine the world that my son's going to live in in about 20 years with technology. He's going to be able to listen to Dad and Vin, Crazy Uncle Vin, <laughs> being racist on the radio. Oh, yeah, by that time, Jesus Christ, that might be... You might not be able to find uh, tapes of the show. We'll all be speaking Chinese by then, then. <laughs> That's the truth. To quote the famous uh, Chinese philosopher, Ching Chong Wing Wong. <laughs> I think I broke my ding dong. <laughs> oh, my God. And that'll do it, folks. You've been listening to episode 158 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.